Jonathan. And this is Alan, and welcome to the Nerdomy Podcast. Jonathan, what would you like to talk about today? Alan, today we're going to talk about some of the greatest, or at least in our opinion, greatest movie speeches slash monologues to uh, come out of Hollywood. This is a good topic. Yeah, it was uh, really hard to kind of narrow it down. There's so many good ones out there, and I think there are some really good ones. Um, we shared our list to each other. I think there's some really good ones we didn't choose, and I can't wait to hear the reasons why you chose yours, and you know, I can't wait to tell you reasons I chose mine. Um, and I think there's going to be some on here that that most people might not expect. Uh, you know, you expect something like uh, the gla- uh, the Braveheart speech, for example. Neither one of us picked the Braveheart speech, but that's a classic one. You know, you can take our lives, but you can never take our freedom. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, there there are just some speeches that are just like, it's very common. So I, I stayed away from those just because they're just very, very common. You know, like I, I did post this on Instagram and and a lot of great pics and stuff. But like, yeah, just just like you said, the the William Wallace speech. I mean, that, that's always a big one. The re, um, what is it? Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, which reminds me of that speech, too. You know, just uh, try and pump everybody up. <clears throat> How the heck do you think he spoke to all those people like, on his horse? There must be people in the back, and they're like, what? What did he say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but they all got well, it. Yeah, they all, they all got the gist of it. Yeah. It's pretty much if the guy in front of me cheers, I'll cheer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there's that speech, and there's a speech in... Um, is, it, is it earlier in that movie, or is it... No, it's not in Two Towers. It's in... Um, yeah, it's in Return of the King. It's the one um, the, the the King of Rohan gives before they attack um, Gondor, or before they save Gondor. Uh-huh. That might be two towers. Two no, towers. No, 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 that's Return of the King. Well, yeah, I no, that's think Return of the King. Was it? Okay. Yeah, you remember when when they uh, attack um, the old guy, the old king attacks, and he gives that speech where he hits his sword against their spears. That's right. a good okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the um, that's a good speech too. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, like we said, we stayed away from. Well, I stayed away from those. I chose basically the ones I remember seeing in the theaters and the ones that made me like feel something. Right. And now I I don't think I saw Braveheart in the theater, so that's why I excluded it. Yeah, and and when I watched on home video, that speech didn't really move me because I've never run into battle before. So (laughs) yeah, I never felt my freedoms threatened. To be honest, I couldn't. (laughs) I couldn't relate to it, but the ones I chose, um, that's one of the main reasons, because I saw them in the theater, and they made me feel something, they moved me in, in some direction or another. Can you name something, like, really modern, where you, you thought they had a good, like, speech? Um, well, to, uh, one of my one of my choices is from the last within the last ten years. Oh, I get away, but it came out in twenty twelve. Okay, which okay. I was shocked when I when I realized it came out in twenty twelve. Like, <laughs> it didn't feel like it, no, it just didn't feel like that long ago, seven years ago now. 
man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Captain America gives a great kind of mini speech before they go on their time jumping thing. Mm, uh, it's, it's I was so thinking good. the it's, same thing. Yeah, well, it's it's so meta though because who's the Ant Man says, "Wow, he's really good at that." You know what yeah, I mean? It's right. Like, he references how good a speech it is, so kind of it's it's meta in that sense that you're like, oh, right. okay, like he was going for that. <laughs> yeah, that's Cap. But yeah, well, if you go through all the Cap, all the movies that Cap's in, he usually has one or two really nice juicy nuggets of, uh, if not a whole speech and like a, like some dialogue in there that really really kind of moves you in some way, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 Cap does good. Yeah. All right. Okay. So why don't we get started? Okay. So my first one is, and I'm trying to think if if it's my if it's my top speech from these series of movies. So basically, I'm going with the Rocky movies, and, and the one I'm going to talk about today is the one from Rocky Balboa. You ain't gonna believe this. Well, you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, "This kid's gonna be the best kid in the world." This kid's gonna be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching you. Every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. That scene, that speech, like, if I had to think before this one, it's probably the one from Rocky One where, you know, it's it's the night before the fight and he's talking to Adrian, and all he just wants to do is he, he just, he doesn't want to get knocked down. He just wants to finish the fight, you know, all the way to the end, which no one's done before. And and, and I thought that was a really nice scene. But I think this one, a Rocky Balboa, when you know, when he's it's it's the the world isn't what is it? What's the word? The line? It's uh, the world isn't made of sunshine or rainbows or something like that, or Pegasus and farts and stuff. But it's it's when his son is it's like telling him, please don't fight, you know, and it's gonna it's gonna look bad for him and stuff and. And Rocky just turns around and says, hey, listen, man, you know, like, what happened to you? You know, where is that kid that had that fire? And, and stop blaming other people for your for for your failures and why, why you're not going forward and stuff. And he, and he says it. He says, you know, life is hard and it, 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 it beats you to the ground and it will keep you there, you know, but it, it's not about that. It's about keep moving forward. 
don't stop, keep moving forward. And and it's like it, that's that's a line of, I guess, of every rock movie that you see. You know, it's it's and the rock is all about that underdog thing. You know, like mm-hmm. the movie always starts off where oh, he's not going to make it, and then he right. he has that will where, where he's gonna. You know, and uh, yeah, this is a good speech. I, I I like this one a lot. And I remember <laughs> I remember playing this one to my daughters, and and you know, because I want my daughter to listen to this speech because it's so factual. You know, life isn't easy, and it is tough, and it takes it takes a different being of a person to to keep looking forward. Because I just think a lot of people today just fold very easily nowadays, and and I think this is it's a good speech for a lot of people to hear. Yeah, it's it's a great speech, and it's uh, you know, and it's reminiscent of a lot of different speeches and or or just dialogue in a lot of other movies. You know, what's What's the big line for Batman Begins? You know, why do we fall down, Bruce, so we can learn to get back up? You know, it's that kind of thing. But, I, you know, and Rocky's great for these inspirational, you know, moments. I, I don't know what in Sylvester Stallone's past or what has made him such a really good writer of this kind of stuff, but he, he does a great job with it. Um, even even when you think about Rocky Three, where... Uh, you know, he's training with Apollo, and, and Apollo knows he's not putting 100% into it because he's still mourning Mickey and stuff like that. And he just yells at him on the beach and gives him, gives him like a little mini speech about, you know, you got to keep going and stuff like that. Oh yeah, Adrian's always in his face. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Sylvester Stallone, I mean, he is, he he knows what he he knows his craft, and he, he's a very good writer, and he, he does a really good job. Because I, I totally remember this scene. Uh, you know, in the movie theaters where, you know, when I was making my list, I was just thinking, well, you know, what were the speeches that put a lump in my throat? And this, this is one of them. You know, the other one in, in this in this particular movie is when he's, I think it's when the boxing board was trying to deny him of his license. Mm-hmm. And he says something like, uh, hey, don't don't you guys have like, uh, like unfinished business? You know, why, why you got to stop me from, <laughs> you know, and every time I watch that scene, he has a lump in my throat. It's like, mother effort, man. This guy's good. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like this scene. It's 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 not one of those I'm gonna pump you up like the previous Rocky movies, you right. know, like the like the Adrian talk and the Apollo talk. This is this is more like a it's a life one, and uh, and, uh, and right, I think it'd be right. pertinent to for anyone to listen. And I and I like this one a lot. It was yeah, it's definitely inspirational. It's definitely it, yeah, it's definitely inspirational. And it's it's. Yeah, I can see why you got a lump in your throat. I just feel like because, you know, when we were putting these lists together, I, I tended more toward when I was younger, movies when I was younger. I was actually surprised that two of my choices came after the year 2000. But um, I, I felt as I'm looking through these, I'm like, oh, man, dude, do I not like some look at 50 greatest speeches and movies and all this stuff. And anything that was kind of later in my life, I was just like, eh. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, am I just a jaded, am I an old jaded man? Like nothing moves me anymore. <laughs> Because, <laughs> like, the stuff I'm going to talk about, I'm like, man, I remember, you know, you got a lump in your throat. And that's what's great about that rock, because Rock of the came out, what, within the past 20 years? Yeah. You know, we're well, well into adulthood. So for something to move like that, you got to know it's it's a, it's a good uh, speech. And, and I think the ones I picked uh, um, also. But even one of them is kind of reminiscent of when I was when I was a young kid, which we'll get to in a minute. Cool. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like, oh, I must be so jaded. <laughs> none, of these, <laughs> none of these speeches move me. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. All right, well, what do you got first? All right, my first one is um, the Alec Baldwin speech from Glengarry Glen Ross. Uh-huh. The rich get richer, that's the law of the land. Who belongs to the BM? 
It is 7.30. So who is that? And where's Mr. Roma? Well, I'm not a leash, so I don't know, do I? Let me have your attention for a moment. Because you're talking about what? You're talking about... Bitching about that sale you shot. Some son of a bitch don't want to buy land. Somebody don't want what you're selling. Some broad you're trying to screw, so forth. Let's talk about something important. Are they all here? All but one. Well, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. <laughs> you think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mitch and Murray. And I'm here on a mission of mercy. Your name's Levine? Yeah. You call yourself a salesman, you son of a bitch? I don't gotta listen to this shit. You certainly don't, pal. Because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you've got all you've got just one week to regain your job, starting with tonight. Starting with tonight's sit. Oh, have I got your attention now? Good. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize, a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. You get the picture? You laughing now? You got leads. Mitch and Murray paid good money. Get their names to sell them. You can't close the leads you're given. You can't close shit. You are shit. Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it, because you are going out. The leads are weak. The leads are weak. The fucking leads are weak. You're weak. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. And your name is your wanting. And you can't play in the man's game. You can't close them and go home and tell your wife your troubles. Because only one thing counts in this life. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. You hear me, you fucking faggots? A, B, C. A always, B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. A-I-D-A. Attention, interest, decision, action. Attention. Do I have your attention? Interest. Are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You close or you hit the bricks. Decision. Have you made your decision for Christ? An action. A-I-D-A. Get out there. You got the prospects coming in. You think they came in to get out of the rain? A guy don't walk on the lot lest he wants to buy. They're sitting out there waiting to give you their money. Are you going to take it? Are you man enough to take it? Incredible. 
What's the problem, pal? You, Moss. You're such a hero. You're so rich. How come you're coming down here and waste your time with such a bunch of bums? You see this watch? You see this watch? Yeah. That watch costs more than your car. I made $970,000 last year. How much you make? You see, pal, that's who I am, and you're nothing. Nice guy? I don't give a shit. Good father? Fuck you. Go home and play with your kids. You want to work here? Close! You think this is abuse? You think this is abuse, you cocksucker? You can't take this. How can you take the abuse you get on a sit? You don't like it? Leave. I can go out there tonight. The materials you got make myself $15,000. Tonight, in two hours, can you? Can you? Go and do likewise. A-I-D-A. Get mad, you son of a bitches. Get mad. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass balls to sell real estate. Go and do likewise, gents. The money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. You want to go out on those sits tonight and close? Close, it's yours. Not, you're going to be shining my shoes. And you know what you'll be saying? Bunch of losers sitting around in the bar. Oh, yeah. I used to be a salesman. It's a tough racket. These are the new leads. These are the Glengarry leads. And to you, they're gold. And you don't get them. Why? Because to give them to you is just throwing them away. They're for closers. I wish you good luck, but you wouldn't know what to do with it if you got it. And to answer your question, pal, why am I here? I came here because Mitch and Murray asked me to. They asked me for a favor. I said, the real favor, follow my advice and fire your fucking ass because a loser is a loser. Fucking nonsense. Treat people like that. Now, uh, the Glenglary Gamros was, was originally a play written by David Mamet. And um, apparently, my understanding is this scene wasn't even in the play. They just, I think they added it to the movie to kind of add more time to it because it was coming in a little under time or whatever. Oh, really? And it's a great. Yeah, have you ever seen the movie? No, I haven't. No, it's, it's a. Uh, it's basically a it's a story about uh, these guys that sell real estate, and it's just like one night in their lives where they're they're waiting for they're called the the Glengarry elites, uh, and basically I don't know I guess the upper management or they 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 kind of get people interested and then they, they they're supposed to pass along these leads to the salesman the salesman call them and try to bring them in and, and sell them real estate 
So they all work on a commission. And everybody's having a bad night, and they're blaming the leads, and they're like, well, when, when the Glengarry leads come in, they're supposed to be this, like, leads that can, you know, like, sell themselves, you know, and all right. these, in this particular office, all the sales are having this hard time, they're, their boss is getting down on them. So Alec Baldwin, Baldwin comes in, and every month they have a sales uh, contest, you know, and the first place prize, you know, if you, if you get the most sales this year, this quarter or whatever, you get, like, a, a Cadillac Eldorado, and, um, so this guy, Alec Baldwin, very young Alec Baldwin, this movie came out in 92, uh, Alec Baldwin comes in and he gives this, this speech. He comes from the, the main office. He's this young guy. He's giving a speech to these. A lot of these guys are older. We're talking about Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, uh, Alan Arkin, and Ed Harris. And Kevin Spacey's their boss in, in this. And so Baldwin comes in and he just gives this, uh, this speech about um, profanity-laden <laughs> and he, he just gives a speech about no one cares about your home life stop we don't want to hear your excuses why you're not making money you're losers you're all fired uh, I think it's his first you know first place this this quarter is the Cadillac second place and he holds up like a set of four steak knives like a set of steak knives he goes third place is you're fired oh my god <laughs> and he's just like I, there's so many classic lines in this thing, you know. Jack Lemon in the beginning of his speech, Jack Lemon's pouring himself a cup of coffee, kind of like not listening to him. Right. And he goes, and, and Alec Baldwin notices it, and he just interrupts his own speech and he goes, "Put the coffee down. Right. Coffee is for closers only." <laughs> you know? And it's uh, you know, closers meaning you know, you make the sale. And he just tears into these guys, and it's such a great moment like I don't I'm not in the field of sales or anything like that but I remember watching this when I was younger and I just thought Alec Baldwin was such a badass because he here's this young guy you know he even throws in, in the face of Ed Harris he goes he's you know Ed Harris says something like oh what makes you think you talk to us like that he goes because you drove here in a Hyundai and I drove here in an $80,000 BMW <laughs> or something along those lines and I'm like oh I, I mean when I was like this movie came out I was around 20 I was like oh this guy's the man <laughs> it's like because he, he's young and he's yelling at all these old guys who think they know everything and they're bitching and moaning about why they're not making their sales the leads are bad and, and if we get these Glengarry leads we're gonna you know they're gonna be great leads and we're all gonna do great and he just tears into them about selling him he just talks about nothing else matters but making these sales and making these monies because the whole point of the monologue I took away from it is it's not a life lesson by by at least in my life it's not a life lesson but what i took away from it is he's saying the only thing that matters the only thing you're worth to this company is the money you bring in and if you don't you're a loser and you need to leave wow. and you want to stay here you got to earn your stay makes sense that might be that little bit might be what i took it what i've taken took it <laughs> what i've taken away from it is like if you want to be somewhere or if you think you deserve to be somewhere you got to earn your your place there and I think, you know, that's how I've partly how I live my life. And, and you know, if, you know, if I'm at a job with people that are slacking off or whatever and, and doing less work or and getting by, that bothers me. And, and I'm like, you know, you can't, you, you know, you're not my coworker if you're going to act like this. I remember, I remember going to school when we were in college and, you know, I, I, we had people that couldn't even write a, an essay. And I was like, you know, you make you make me, you know, you make the school look bad. Like, mm. you make me look bad because I go to school with you. You know, that's embarrassing. Right. So just things like that. It's like you got to earn, 
you got to earn your way and every day you don't stop earning your way you, you every day is your opportunity to keep doing better and 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 do what you're there for uh, it's very cutthroat it's almost reminiscent of the greed is good for me it was almost reminiscent of the greed is good speech in wall street um but it was it's just so dramatic and the acting is fantastic and if anyone's never seen glenn gary glenn ross go see it because it's it's kind of like 12 angry men in the sense that it's it's really just a well-written you know, it's a play turned into a movie, but it's well written, and it's all about the actors and and the jobs they do with the with the words written on the paper. It's it's really great, and the Acting. speech is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, yeah. <laughs> Surprised you know, he's yeah. not in a Marvel movie. Yeah, well, uh, no, you're right. Yeah, but he'd probably be like a, a shield agent, like a high up shield dude or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I gotta put a costume on him. <laughs> oh no, I forgot this. ABC, always be closing. <laughs> That's what he says to me. He goes, remember this. ABC, A, always B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. <laughs> Is that what that's from? Because I heard that on The Office also. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, when, and Jack Lennon says the leads are weak, and he goes, the leads are weak. Effing leads are weak? You're weak. <laughs> <laughs> And the worst, I'd say the worst part of this is the worst part of the scene that really kind of, for me, pulled me out of is at one point he 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 starts it by going to his briefcase and leaves the lid open, and and toward the end of it he walks behind his his briefcase and he pulls something out and he goes, you know you need to stay in this business, these and he drops from his hand from a string a pair of. They, you know, they're, they're like cabangers. Remember cabangers? Oh, yeah. But they're made out of metal. But they're oh. made out of metal. He goes, you need these brass balls. I'm like, I'm like, he brought props to this thing? Like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> hey, guys. That's the only part. I was like, that, that for like a second, it pulled me out of it. I'm like, oh. I'm like all right, he brought props to this. Now, now this is, he planned this whole speech out. <laughs> you need to carry those Great speech. Too. Great speech. Awesome. What's that? You need to carry those balls, too. A pair of breast bolts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and finally, so he, he he brings he the best part is he brings the leads. They're all waiting for these Glen Gary leads, right? He brings them out. He's got them. They're all tied in a nice bow, and he's got a stack. And he goes, "These are the Glen Gary leads." And he goes, "To you, they're gold." And then he goes, "You don't get them." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Why? Because to give them to you is just throwing them away." Wow. And he hands it back and he hands it to their boss. Yeah. So he gives it. So the rest of the movie is about him. He gives the leads to Kevin Spacey, who's the manager of the office, and he's to distribute the leads as he sees fit to the best, you know, salesmen and stuff like that. Nice. Great scene. Great scene. <laughs> That's cool. Huh. What was the name of the movie again? Glengarry Glen Ross. Huh. Never and heard I think, it. yeah, I think Glengarry is just the name of like a housing development. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure what Glenn Ross is, though. Hmm. That might be a housing development, too. I'm not right. sure. All right. Cool. Okay. What you got? My next one is a great speech by a fake president. <laughs> it is Independence Day. Good morning. Good morning. In less than an hour... Aircraft from here will join others from around the world. And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind. 
Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. To exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Yes, Jonathan, Independence Day, July 4th. This was a cool movie. What was this, late 90s, mid 90s? When did this movie come out? I remember. This was, yeah, this was mid 90s because I remember seeing it in the theaters. Uh, yeah, I might have been in college. Yeah. It came out during the summer. Yeah, well, yeah I think I was in college. When, okay, 96. Perfect. Yeah. First of all, we got Bill Pullman. Love this guy. I love him a lot. I wish I saw him more in, in, in movies, but you don't see him as much anymore. Um, yeah, so this is this is the scene where aliens have taken over Earth, and they have these humongous what spaceships in the sky, and there's nothing yeah. that they can do to take them down. And really, I mean, there's really I think there was like alien ships like in every continent, like it was surrounding the world is what it was. Over like the yeah, major cities, yeah. major cities, of course, and of course aliens know what the major cities are, so. <laughs> They know by to... population density. Don't by population density, man. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so there's New York, of course, LA, San Francisco, Chicago, and all that stuff. And basically, like, right, what we have left are, are just a bunch of, like, you know, jet fighters and ragtag group of men. And, you know, they even got a, oh, Randy Quaid, and he's like this old drunkard guy. And, you know, it's like bits and pieces of what's left of, of American soldiers and, and people. And Bill Pullman just busts out this speech, it, like to inspire everyone. And there's, there's one thing I, I like about this speech, when he says um, something like July 4th, it, it's, no, it's, like, it's not known as American holiday. You know, it, it's, about, it's about the world's holiday of freedom, of independence. You know, he says something about it's, it's mankind. It has a new meaning to, to them. You know, it's, it's our Independence Day. And he just... He just pumps everybody up, and I swear to you, I watch this stupid movie every single year, if, <laughs> if anything, just to listen to this speech, and it still gets me going. Again, fake president, but uh, it's cool. You got a guy, a president, young guy, and he's going to go to battle, and he's like, hey, uh, suit me up, you know, and and I think one of his generals like, you don't have to do this. He's like, hey, I'm a pilot. We we need more guys up there, and he, he leads the charge. He's not one of those guys that, that stays behind, and uh, it, it's a good speech. Obviously, it's one of those military speeches to pump you up, but but he does a very good job of it. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a classic one. Well, it's a modern classic, I guess. But it, it's something that that I can watch over and over again, and and I don't get tired of it. Bill Pullman, guy's good. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that um, in movies that have to do with big battles or or 
big sporting events, they, the, the message is kind of the same. They need, they need a big speech to pump them up. And yeah, and, and this comes at the perfect time because this is their last ditch effort. You know, they, the, the U.S. military, the militaries all around the world, they've been getting just annihilated. Yeah. Um, by these these ships and, and all the major cities have been blown to bits. And um, how fortunately that our president was an Air Force pilot, <laughs> um, much like an Air Force One. Right. And uh, <laughs> well, Harrison Ford would have just just found his way onto the mothership and said, get off my planet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's, it's a great speech. It is rousing and, and it's the... Uh, it definitely gets the juices flowing. You know, you can say a lot about Independence Day, whether it's a good movie or not, and I'll let you know, other people decide that. I mean, whether it's good or not, I can't decide, but I can tell you it's it's a fun movie. Oh, yeah, it's a fun movie. Will Smith at his finest. Come on. Yeah, and, and it does get you cheering, you know. It definitely gets you cheering. Um, you know, it's a bunch of hot wash, though, when, uh, when those two boobs go up to the mothership and they just, what did they, they uploaded the virus? Come on, man. <laughs> well, not if you think about this. Let's see. Because it's the same. I, saying, listen, I can't even hook up like my iPhone with with a, a regular USB microcharger, dude. <laughs> right, but remember, remember they they got the ship from Area Fifty One, right? Yeah. So maybe we have apples and all that kind of stuff because they reverse engineered their technology. Oh, okay. Oh. Very believable now. <laughs> there it is. More believable than it was three minutes ago. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, Independence Day. I like that speech. Independence Day. Yeah, it's, it's, a, good, it's a great speech and get you ready for it. Now, I saw Independence Day 2. Oh, I didn't see that one. I don't, I don't remember if there was a speech in that or not. Must not be if I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wasn't Bill Pullman in that one also, to some degree? Yeah, he I, wasn't the president, obviously. He was like, um, actually, it was pretty good. Not, not good, but they made him a little bit crazy because remember he mind-melded with one of the aliens? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, so they kind of make it like he was suffering repercussions. Oh, that. poor yeah. Okay. But, you know, uh, that helped them win in the end, of course. <laughs> spoiler, helped them win in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Independence, that's a great one. Randy Quaid's got the best line in that movie. Kiss my what does he say? Kiss my ass. <laughs> he says something he like that. He goes, hello, boys, remember me? He's talking about how he's abducted the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> and did you see the original? He was supposed to be flying his biplane. In the, what do you mean in the original? In the original, like, they, they filmed that scene a second time. He was supposed to be flying... In the attack, he was supposed to be flying his biplane. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, but, I mean, it's bad enough that he's flying at, like, a F-15 or whatever, but... <laughs> it's like a driving the car. They're all the same. Yeah, but, but the thing about Independence Day, especially the ending, was... is very reminiscent of Star Wars, and I think that's why I liked it. Wait, what do you mean? Like, the, like the, you know, the mothership is the Death Star. You have to hit the exact location. Oh, uh, okay. Dogfighting. Right. Um... It's actually, it's almost kind of more like Return of the Jedi because you have a separate part where uh, Will Smith is on the mothership and if they don't pull up the mothership, the shield the, the shields don't go down, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's to get the shield generator. So easy. Yeah. All right. So, very good. That's a good one. Okay. What do you got next? Great moments. 
are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I keep thinking of History of the World Part 1. <laughs> you wait for a horse to come running by, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We need a miracle. <laughs> so, for those that don't know, Miracle came out... It's so weird. Miracle came out in 2004, and it's the story of the U.S. men's Olympic hockey team from 1980 that went on to win the gold medal, breaking the Soviet Union's, like, a billion-year streak of winning the gold. Um... Uh, the Soviets were pretty much pros. They just beat the crap out of everybody around the world. Uh, and at that time, the U.S. used amateur players, like college kids, or just out of college kids, that hadn't made it to the NHL yet. And uh, so Herb Brooks, played by the always wonderful Kurt Russell, um, you know, the whole movie is just about him whipping the team into shape and, and making them understand. Um, what they're playing for and how good they are and it doesn't matter you know we're not playing for second because the 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 thinking is you know well Soviet's gonna win so you know getting second is like winning gold you know more or less right and um you know this I mean the movie is full of great scenes and Herb Brooks um who was a real person and I believe this was his actual speech or close to it uh that he gives before the the, the Russian game uh I think what what makes this huge is this is not the gold medal game. A lot of people remember it as it being the gold medal game. It's not the gold medal game. It's the, uh, I don't remember if, uh, I always get to the free, not semifinals, but the, it's the game before to get into the finals. It's the game to get into the finals. Um, but also, I think it knocked out the Russians or did they get third? I'm not sure. That doesn't matter. Anyway, so right before the Olympics began, they played, a, they played a, like a scrimmage game against the Soviet team and got destroyed. I believe it was at Madison Square Garden. Uh, so, you know, the Americans are going into this. You know, they, they had to come from behind in every game to get to this point against the Soviet Union. Now they're playing the Soviet Union. And, 
you know, they're not verbalizing it, but they're, you know, they're nervous. You can kind of see it in their dressing room before the game starts. And uh, Herb just kind of goes over his his roster one more time, and he gets up from his desk and he goes into the locker room, and he says, you know, um, you know, you have an opportunity here. To, uh, you have a great opportunity to be great, and this is your time to take it. And you know, I'll say things like nine times that you know we could play these guys ten times and they beat us nine, but not tonight. He goes tonight we're going to shut them down because we can. And he says things like, I'm sick of hearing about how great the Soviet hockey team is. He's like, F them. (laughs) He he basically says, this is your time. Go out there and take it. And he gets gets them all. And they don't end with a cheer or nothing, but you can see their faces change from kind of like, I got to go, you know, I got to do 60 minutes against this team to to that steely determination on their faces um, where they believe that that they can be any team. and of course, they eventually do. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember that moment? Oh yeah, kid? absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a classic scene right there. Kurt Russell. Well, yeah, it, it was huge. It was it was for the country because, if, you know, for those of you that are too young to remember or um, don't truly understand, the seventies were not a good time for the country. You know, uh, Vietnam ended around seventy four, seventy five, and. Uh, you know, Carter wasn't doing such a great job as a president. We had gas. You know, we had to wait in line for gas because of the oil. Was it a shortage or a strike? I think it was a shortage. A shortage. Um, just, I just remember being mis- constantly being miserable. Everybody's miserable and there was a slow. <laughs> uh, I don't know, what the, like a low. I don't say patriotic, but you weren't feeling too great to be an American, I guess. Um, things weren't going very well for America. Let's just say. And, uh, you know, this comes along. Oh, the Iran hostages were, oh, yeah. you know, they were hostages for over a year at this point, probably, or less than a year. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't, nothing was going right. And here comes these group of kids. And they were kids. They just got out of college. They were 22 to 20, to 25 years old. And they weren't playing regular hockey, uh, national, uh, major league hockey. And they weren't, you know, expected to do anything. And they wind up beating the greatest hockey team in the world. And, uh, it really, I mean, the pictures of uh, Mikey Ruzzoni with the with the flag uh, and things like that it was just it's awesome. And they go on. I forgot who they beat. They beat like Sweden or Finland or something for the gold. But you know, I mean, after you beat the Soviets, you're probably like, uh, we'll beat anybody. It's big time. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, and the funny thing is, it was. Um, I, do we know about it because it, it, they showed it on prime time, but it was played during the day, so there was a few hours there where word got around that they had won. Hmm. Um, I don't remember if I knew before. I was too young to remember if, if we had known before. But I remember watching it with my with my family. It was awesome. Yeah, it was a big deal. I mean, just like you said, during those times, it was it was different. The, the Russians was a big deal. You know, uh, like hey, even growing up, it was it was a thing. Like, are we always going to be at war with them? It was like that big fear, and uh, and they were like, I don't know. It's you, you're kind of right about that. It almost felt like they were like the big bullies at the time. But, uh, well, yeah, it was, it was the height of the Cold War, you know, yeah. and we didn't know. And the weird thing is, within the next 10, 11 years, the Soviet Union would fall. Um, but at the time, you know, it was just this Cold War mentality that we had that the communism was trying to spread everywhere. They were trying to take over and, and nuclear war. I, I mean, the fear of nuclear war, I don't think people understand. Maybe kids growing up now have that fear of terrorism because of 9 11. 
Um, but the fear of nuclear war was like a real thing. It was very real, and it was very it scary. Was, and it was very yeah. stressful too. Yeah. Uh, anxiety. Yeah. 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 What was, what was that TV show? The day after. Yes, the movie. Oh, that one gave me nightmares. Dude, we should do a whole episode on that. Oh, it's a downer. <laughs> it is a downer, but it, I remember there's one thing that my teacher said. I think it was in sixth grade. You know about like a nuclear bomb. I don't remember who asked the question, but like, basically, like, how fast does it work? And she goes over, she turns off the lights. And she turns it back on again, and she goes that fast. Like what? <laughs> you know, as, as quick as quick as light, right? You know, right. and you're just thinking like you can't run away from this. <laughs> and I just remember thinking like, oh, that's gonna suck. But yeah, anyway, hey, that's 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 a great scene, man. It's a really good scene. Yeah, and that, like I said, it, it moves you, it pumps you up, it it gives you that. You know, this just came out in '04, so I was well into my. Well, early 30s at least. And, uh, you know, for me to be like kind of choked up, I'm like, oh my God, this is. Now it's like, oh, that's why they won. It has something to do with their skill or their hours of hard work. It was that speech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what's sad though when it comes to hockey? It's probably one of those unloved sports in this country, it seems like. You know? In this country. Well, it's got its fan base, but. Um, Nothing close to football, baseball, even basketball. You know, no, tennis. No, ho- yeah, hockey's more fun live. That's why. Yeah, hockey's a, hockey's a hard game to watch on TV. You know, it's, that's, I'm glad you said that. That's exactly what the problem is. You can't watch this. Well, you can, but it is way better live. It, it's See, that's why. Like, that's yeah. Uh, that's why football is the most popular. You know, I don't think baseball's America's game anymore. I hate to say it. Yeah. But football's more popular because football's awesome to watch on TV. It's it's. I mean, it's not awful to watch it live, but it's much better to watch it on TV. And whereas hockey is great live, even baseball I think is better live. Right. Uh, basketball. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I, I I like it live better than. That's not true. When my team is winning, I like to basketball on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, what was your team? The Nets. It was the New Jersey Nets, not that Brooklyn nonsense. Hey, they got a good team coming up this year. They were very I don't care. good team. Okay. <laughs> I, I punched out. I punched out once they moved through, moved out of Jersey. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. And they did beat they did beat Finland for the gold. Okay. The U.S. team they beat Finland. No, I just it's just and I did this too, but a lot of people think that the Soviet Union game was the gold medal game and it really wasn't. Right. Still have one more game they had to win, and they did. Good yeah. job. Good job. USA. <laughs> USA. You. And you know what? That's funny you bring up. That's the first. That's the first time I remember hearing that chant. USA. Oh, really? US. Yeah. Watching that game. I was like, oh, that's that's a cool thing to chant. So I don't know if people huh. did it before that or what, but I, I just remember them chanting it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have to think about that one. Okay, Jonathan, my next uh, great speech in movies. This is a great movie, Saving Private Ryan. Nice. Now this scene, th- there's a lot of good scenes in this one. You know, a lot of... A lot of moments of Tom Hanks talking and stuff. There's even one scene that I think I, I, I definitely get choked up too. It's, it's at the very end of the movie where he it's when Ryan, he's an old guy, turns to his wife and just says, I think he asks her, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I had a good life, you know? Like, did right. I earn it? And, and that, that one gets me, but uh, I'm not going to talk about that one. The one I'm going to do is the letter to Mrs. Bixby. I have a letter here. Written a long time ago to a Mrs. Bixby in Boston. 
Bear with me. Dear madam, I have been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any words of mine that would attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering to you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic they died to save. <clears throat> I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost. The solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully, Abraham Lincoln. send somebody to find him. And we are going to get him to hell out of there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is, boy, this is like probably the the, the first breather you get after the, the big battle on D-Day. And, you know, because I think the camera pans over and you see, like, Orion backpack and, you know, they're saying that he died, right? Mm-hmm. They're typing up the letters to give letters to the families, and then one of the secretaries is realizing, like, "Oh my God, this this woman is going to get like four letters of their, their was it four, three or four? I don't remember. Uh, I feel like it was three. Was it three? That yeah. three of the brothers had died, and uh, you know they go up to the general, and they're even saying like, even the advisor saying, "No, we can't do this," you know. And the general turns around, and you know it's so convenient he has this letter. But he reads the letter, and, and like I said, it's it's it's, it's the, Bix, the the rhyme. What is it called? The, the Bixby letter is what it is, and it's basically a letter that that Abraham Lincoln wrote, and he reads it, and I, I love maybe the last two or three sentences. He he puts down a letter, and he just recites it by memory, you know, and and everyone around in the room is just quiet, and after he reads the letter, he says something like, uh, "Yeah, we're gonna find him, and we're gonna bring him." We're going to get them the hell out of there, you know, and boom. But then the movie really starts to roll after that. But it's such a good moment when when you can see an actor on screen and he's just doing his thing, that that little monologue part. And it's just so captivating, you know, and then when you hear it's Abraham Lincoln said that uh, there's like more weight to it, too. It's amazing how eloquent people wrote back in the day. Uh, right. compared to today and I think that that kind of moves me too but it's delivered in such a great way um, I don't even know the name of the actor but uh, um, Harvey was it Pres- Pres- does that sound right? Harv Presno uh, I thought it was Brian Cranston because I think he's in that scene does he play the general? The yeah he's in the scene I think he has like he's an- one arm I think yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's a great scene Again, there are a lot of good scenes in that in Private Ryan. But, uh, th- this one just kind of stands out because it's just a little bit different. Right. Well, you know, when in doubt, go to Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, the way they wrote back then was just incredible. You know, no TV, no radio to distract them, so. You're right. That's all they had to do who, was write. Who knows what we would have done with our lives if without <laughs> TV or <laughs> I'd be a lot dumber, I think. Yeah. Say it Private Ryan. That's, that's a great. I think I told this story before in the show. Like one time I was with my coworkers, there's about 10 of us, and I said, All right, every one of you, I give, give me your top 10 greatest movies of all time. Saver Pryor Ryan was on every freaking list. And it blew my mind because we're all different ages, too. You know? Right. I'm not even the eldest, but, you know, I'm up there. But then there are a lot of younger guys, too. And it was on everyone's list. I was like, I'm very proud of you guys. You guys know good movies. So. Yeah, that, that movie made me question. Like, I didn't know how to answer that question that Rob. Uh, not Rob, Matt Damon asks his wife, mm. you know, because I walked out of here there. I didn't, you know, I was just like, was he worth it? Was he? <laughs> no. <laughs> and and then you, yeah, you hated the one skinny dude that didn't kill the Nazi. Oh, up him. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Oh. And then and then later on in, in an interview, Spielberg was like, I feel like I would have done the same thing or I feel like I was up him. I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> Well, he was one of those guys that wasn't really there for the fight, right? He was like, a, like he was a he was a journalist or something like that. Yeah, he not was a, journalist, a journalist, but he yeah he worked for the office or whatever. He had right, a typewriter. Exactly, yeah. He tried to bring his typewriter. Yeah, that's right. He's like, you don't need that. Put that down. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was just. A, and, uh, you know what's funny? A lot of these I haven't watched. You know, researching this this episode, I, I hadn't watched a lot of these movies in a long time, and I'm like, oh my god, I want to go back and watch them. Yeah. Yeah, but some were so emotional, like Saving Private Ryan. That's a great film. It's so yeah, that's great. not a that's a rainy day settled in movie. That's not a oh, oh, let's see what's on. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna get all the feels with that one. Absolutely, Spielberg. Right, very nice. Okay, what you got? Speaking of Lincoln, what? 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 Segway, segway, segway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my next one comes from the movie Lincoln from 2012. Our members to a fairly well. You've had no defections from the Republican right to trouble you. Whereas to what you promised. Where the hell are the commissioners? Oh my God. It's true. You. You lied to me, Mr. Lincoln. You evaded my request for a denial that, that there is a Confederate peace offer because, because there is one. We are absolutely guaranteed to lose the whole thing. And we don't need we'll a goddamn abolition amendment. amendment. No. Leave the Constitution what alone. The peace commissioners what? appear today or, or state worse, by state on the morning. Extra... I can't listen to this anymore. I can't accomplish a goddamn thing of any human meaning or worth until we cure ourselves of slavery and end this pestilential war. And whether any of you or anyone else knows it, I know I need this. This amendment is that cure. We're stepped out upon the world stage now, now with the fate of human dignity in our hands. Blood's been spilled to afford us this moment. Now, now, now. And you grousel and heckle and dodge about like pettifogging Tammany Hall hucksters. See what is before you. 
See the here and now. That's the hardest thing. The only thing that accounts. Abolishing slavery by constitutional provision settles the fate for all coming time. Not only of the millions now in bondage, but of unborn millions to come. Two votes stand in its way. These votes must be procured. We need two yeses, three abstentions, four, four yeses, and, and one more abstention, and the amendment will pass. You got a night and a day and a night and several perfectly good hours. Now get the hell out of here and get them. Yes. But how? Buzzard's God's man. I am the President of the United States of America, clothed in immense power. And it's it's the scene where uh, Lincoln is with his cabinet, and they're telling him that they're like two or three votes shy of being able to pass the uh, amendment abolishing slavery. And a lot of the pushback is coming from the more radical elements of the Republican Party, his party. And he's talking to his cabinet. Um, you know, he's listening. And also in the movie, he's pretty even-tempered, even with his wife, who, uh, at least in the movie, seemed you know, that she could be very uh, taxing on someone's patience. And uh, he just finally... Uh, and I don't know if the, well probably I mean, he's a fantastic actor Daniel Day-Lewis I don't know if this is particularly written in the script or just how he played it but he comes to this point where he's, he starts slamming his fingers on the table and um, you know he's not pounding his fists like normal people do he takes his two fingers and he's slamming them into the table like I need this he goes I can't lit you know I need this done now you know you guys keep well, with all the squabbling I'm, I'm trying to accomplish something uh, you know we need to abolish slavery um, they because nothing they do uh, as as nothing does as a president or a cabinet. It, it, anything he does means nothing if he doesn't if they can't get this amendment to abolish slavery passed because he understands that is now a moral thing that is now a this is the right thing to do and it's a situation where he's he, it seems like he's the only guy in the room that understands. That we do this because not for political gain or any other thing or even just to end the war more quickly. We do it because it's the right thing to do. It's something that should have been done a long time ago. I think earlier in the movie he talks about how even the founders knew it wasn't wrong, but they you know, kind of chickened out and left it to future generations to figure out. And, and he's like, well, we're going to figure this out now. Um, and he just he just, you know, he's just going at his his cabinet and he's like, look, we're where everybody's looking at us the world's looking at us they're looking to see what we do you know we're we're a country in rebellion uh in civil war with each other and the country's looking at us to see if 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 we can even survive the country was less than 100 years old this, at this point and um you know there were probably countries in the world that wanted the the, the war to end with with the country being broken into um but he's saying they're looking at us and we have the fate of human dignity on our hands is a quote from the from the speech and i think um uh, united states was one of the last countries to abolish slavery um 
at least industrialized countries. And uh, it was a, it was a, a, a bad stain on, on the history of the country for a long time. And and he, he ends it by saying, I don't care how you do it, you get me those votes, like two or three votes that he needed. And um, it's just a great, great, and, he, and you know, he brings up how the war, how, how men have spilled blood for this, and it needs to be resolved. And it's just, it's like, it's, the words are fantastic, and the acting is just superb. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, this guy's just incredible in whatever he does. Who directed that movie? Do you know? Spittleberg. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was guys, just Spittleberg. Yeah, but that, I mean, I can watch that scene over, in fact, I have the last couple of days, <laughs> over and over again. And um, Daniel Day-Lewis just knocks out of the park. Who would have thought a Brit could play the greatest American ever? <laughs> yeah. uh, Americans can't act anymore. <laughs> As edited by all the Batman movies, it's never played by an American anymore. Well, yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was written by Tony Kushner. Just some great, um, great, great, great writing. That's awesome. That just moves me. I, I just, I mean, you know what a what a fool for American history I am, and I don't know if Lincoln actually said those words or not, but it's just, uh, it's just fantastic, and it, it moves me. And it, it's a it's a man in a in a hard place. It, it's it's hard to sing the praises for Lincoln because he's obviously known as our best president. It's not. It's like, you know. It's like saying how good chocolate ice cream is. Like, yeah, everybody knows Jonathan. Nobody needs to hear you talk about how good chocolate <laughs> ice cream is. Like, yeah, we get it. Lincoln was awesome. But just the, the challenges he faced and, and how he stuck by his convictions and did what he had to do to, to keep the country together and all that. And then, like, almost immediately after that job, it's, it's almost like divine providence. Like, he was put there for this particular reason because as soon as – or pretty much as soon as the war is over, he gets assassinated. Uh, it's kind of like your job's done. All right. That's you know, amazing. it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Just a great speech. You ever see that movie, Lincoln versus the Vampires, or something like that? Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? No, I didn't. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay, because we obviously view Lincoln in very different ways. <laughs> we admire him for different reasons, I guess. You, you know what's what's kind of sucks though? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Lincoln, Lincoln, great present, and it seems like history. Well, you know, where were we? 2019 and stuff, and and like and like kids today. I don't know where I don't. I I just get this feeling that they don't appreciate it the same way that you and I did for some reason. You know, like because you know, your 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 love for Lincoln and stuff is the same as myself too. I, I don't see that. I don't I don't see that anymore though. It seems like uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is in today's world, but it seems like history is not as as impactful as it was back then i guess you know I, I i think people are more concerned about what's just happening like right now but they don't look about what happened in the past you know and we should be learning from our past so right yeah, I well i mean that's every generation they don't learn from their past that's why we keep making the same mistakes uh-huh. um yeah i i just you know I, I i there's a whole thing with education and stuff i don't know because of the drive on, on literacy and math i think science and, and social studies have taken the taken a hit um and i don't think they're learning about that kind of stuff and, and look to be fair we grew up in the 80s which was very jingoistic very rah-rah america you know yeah it, you know so it's not like that it's what's amazing to me was 
you know, after 9-11, you know, the patriotism lasted for a few months. And then everybody just kind of went back to normal. Like how how something as awful as 9-11 didn't kind of bring us together for years always kind of made me wonder what's going on. Like why it didn't happen, hmm. you know? Yeah. And yeah. Anyway. I hear you. Okay. That's another discussion. <laughs> yeah. Great speech, though, in Lincoln. Yeah. Okay, Jonathan. Uh, my next speech, and I, I know I purposely wanted to do something very, very different, something that's more in the line of the Nerdomy podcast. I chose a quote from one of the greatest movies of all time. Yes, Empire Strikes Back. stones around is one thing this is totally different no no different only different in your mind you must unlearn what you have learned all right i'll give it a try no try not do or do not there is no try So we not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship. You want the impossible.
Hammond. I don't believe it. That is why you fail. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this scene, Jonathan, is when Luke is training with Yoda. And and I think I think at this moment in time Yoda did, does ask Luke if he can lift his X-wing fighter from the swamp. And he can't. He sits down and says, I can't do it. It's too big. Right? And Yoda says, you know. So she said. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Size matters not, is what you said. <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes into this this whole spiel about Hi. the force and stuff. <laughs> but it's it's the, in this moment as a kid, I, I totally remember this, Jonathan. When, when he's talking about the, the force, very different. And I think this is the reason why I didn't like Phantom Medicine when they went too scientific about the midichlorians. Um, when Yoda talks about it, it, it's something more ethereal. It's something more that was surrounding us, and it's in everything. And I swear, as a kid, it's something I, I thought that, like, you would feel for yourself also. Like, could you feel the Force also? Even though it was a movie, but it was something that, like, that there was something more than within us. It was everywhere around us. It was like an energy and stuff. And and I just remember Yoda talking about, like, yeah, he's a small guy and. And like, but look at me, you know, I, I draw the energy from around me. It's, it's, it's everywhere, but I'm not letting my size and my age telling me that I can't do these particular things. Right. And then, so he, I think he lifts the X-wing and yep. right. And then wait, I think Luke says, no, Luke says you want the impossible. And Yoda says, that's why you fail. Ooh, I love it. He doesn't believe in himself. <laughs> Right? That's basically no. what it is. It just doesn't believe in it. Yeah. So, yeah. Or force, at least. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Great movie. And I was trying to think, like, you know, I was like, what, what kind of pop culture film has a good quote? It was tough. I mean, because it, it is kind of, like, cheeky, like Superman and, and you know, those kind of superhero movies. But Yoda, this, is a little, this was a little bit different. And I remember, and I think the only good thing I saw out of The Last Jedi I was maybe not the greatest thing, but I think just just seeing Yoda and Luke talk again, you know that that moment actually got to me a little bit. Like it made me kind of like reminisce about, you know, Luke and Yoda back in Empire. You know, it's probably like right. the only cool thing. I'm not saying the movie is great. I just like those two interacting again. And these are one of those moments where, you know, Luke really didn't have a father, and this is his father figure, and his father is telling him, "Listen, you gotta believe in yourself, kid. You can do this. Now go kill your father." <laughs> <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah. That's that's obviously a great moment, and it really forms the uh, the movie goer more about the Force because up until that point, we don't know a lot about the Force. Just what Ben's been telling us and what little tidbits Yoda's been giving out. Um, oh yeah, from a, from a, uh, a New Hope, the only thing you see of really the Force are just really knickknack things. You know, like Ben did that sounds to to you know make the stormtroopers run away so they can turn off the right. The thing and and shooting blown the Death Star, but other than that, you really don't see really what the Force can really really do. Well, you have the Jedi mind trick. They do that. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that's Sorry. still that's still could, could be like a parlor trick. <laughs> <laughs> but when you see Yoda pick up an X wing, you're like, what? <laughs> that's a, this is serious. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. And the like, music what? too, the the Yoda theme. Oh, John Williams making his magic. Just that that music too. It just, oh, I love it, dude. I love it. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, the whole the whole training thing. Luke doesn't like 
listen to Yoda. It's a, it's a, it's a wonder he became a Jedi anyway. It's, <laughs> you know, he's like, you don't need your weapons when you go into that cave. He's just oh, like, yeah? whatever. <laughs> yeah, he straps his weapons on. That's right. You know, you know, don't go, Luke. You have to finish your training. Oh yeah. <laughs> Phew, my man. That's right. Yeah, you know, too <laughs> Now, actually, that last day makes a lot more sense. Now we hey, know why you know he failed. I wanted to tell you this too. I, I keep forgetting to bring bring this up. One time we were talking about Empire Strikes Back, about how Darth was torturing Han. Remember that? Right. Remember that? And then you you mentioned that it was to alert Luke, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 never, I never thought about that until you brought it up in the show. I was like, what? That totally makes sense. I thought he was just torturing Han. Like, yeah, because remember, he says he, well, Han even says they didn't ask me any questions. He didn't even ask me any questions. Wow, that's so good. See, yeah. Lucas can do it. <laughs> oh, no, he no, didn't. Lucas didn't yeah, do he that. didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't do it. Kasdan did it. <laughs> All right. Sorry, George. I tried. Well, it's funny, uh, Alan, because my next speech. No. Oh. Is from the Last Jedi. What? It's when it's when Luke explains to Rey why the Jedi must end and why they're full of crap and all that. <laughs> of course, that's not my speech. How dare this you is, consider this, this that? Like I that. Going on two years now, huh? <laughs> oh, it's gonna go forever. Forever. I love it. Not until the, not unless they not until they release a new uh, episode eight. <laughs> <laughs> Forget that one. Right. Anyway, now my real last one is um, I know we said speeches, but this kind of turns out into more of a dialogue um, where one guy does most of the talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's from Glory. I've got the guard. Let me use your looking glass. Thank you. Yeah, button up that collar. Sucking that gut. Tucking them big black lips. Lighten your skin. Shrink up that nose. I don't have to listen to this. Where you going, boy? Let me buy. Let you buy? Let you buy. Let me tell you something, boy. You can march like the white man. You can talk like him. You can you can learn his songs. You, you can you can even wear his suits. But you ain't never gonna be nothing to him but an ugly ass chimp in a blue suit. Oh, you don't like that, do you? No. Hmm. Well, what are we gonna do about it? You want to fight me, boy? Huh? What you gonna do about it? You want to fight me, don't you? Don't you? Come <laughs> on, oh, Nick. All right, all right. Hey, get your hands off me, grave dick. Damn it. Does the whole world got a stump in your face? Nigga, you better get your hands off me. Ain't no niggas around here, you hear me? Oh, I see. So the white man give you a couple of stripes. Next thing you know, you hollering, ordering everybody around like you the master himself. Nigga, you ain't nothing but the white man's dog. What are you? So full of hate, you just want to go out and fight everybody. Because you've been whipped and chased by hounds. Well, that might not be living, but it sure as hell ain't dying. And dying's what these white boys been doing for going on three years now. Dying by the thousands. Dying for you, fool. I know, because I dug the graves. And all the time I'm digging, I'm asking myself when, when, oh Lord, is going to be our time. Well, time's coming when we're going to have to ante up. 
ante up and kick in like men. Like men! You watch who you call a nigger. Then the niggers around here is you. Smart mouth, stupid ass, swamp running nigger. If you ain't careful, that's all you ever gonna be. You men going back to business. 1989 Glory, the, the movie about the uh, 54th Massachusetts Massachusetts um, African American regiment that was uh, put together to fight in the Civil War, one of the first ones put together to fight in the Civil War. It stars Matthew Broderick, uh, Carrie Yules. I hate saying his name. Denzel Washington, who won the, his first Best Supporting Actor Oscar for it. Morgan Freeman, Jimmy Kennedy, and. Andre Brower, who's fantastic. First of all, the acting in this film is incredible. Uh, I think Morgan Freeman, Andre Brower, as well as Denzel should have been nominated. Um, the music's incredible, too, James Horner. And it's directed by Edward Zwick, who would later on do The Last Samurai. And, and if you if you kind of watch them back to back, you'll see a lot of similarities in them. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, well, they both take place... Well, obviously, Glory takes place during the Civil War. I think Last Samurai takes place right after the Civil War. Hmm. Um, anyway, and the fighting and stuff like that, the scenes. So it's basically Denzel plays this. I think he was an escaped slave who joins up, and dude's got a chip on his shoulder, you know, for good reason. And um, the whole movie, and Andre Bauer plays a childhood friend of Matthew Broderick and Carrie Yule's uh, character from, and they all grew up together in, in Massachusetts and. Um, Andre Brower's character was uh, was born uh, free as his father was a freeman too. So uh, and he's educated and like he reads and he, you know, uh, Denzel accuses him of speaking like the white man, quote unquote. Um, so there's friction between them the whole movie where and it's obviously coming mostly from Denzel, where uh, Andre Brower at first is kind of scared of him and just kind of stays out of his way, um, but then at the, right before this scene starts. Um, uh, Denzel's feeling a certain way and um, Andre Brower's character is about to go on watch and he's kind of fixing his uniform so you know he looks he looks good and stuff like that and Denzel kind of gets in on him pretty much telling him you can dress like the white man walk like the white man wear his clothes but you'll never be one of them they'll just look at you like you're a like you're a chimpanzee or something like that and this upset Andre Brower and he finally decides he's going to fight back so right before there and, and this is what Denzel wants Denzel's like alright I'm ready for this and um, it gets broken up by Morgan Freeman, who I think at this point is a sergeant in the in the army or in the in the regiment. And he breaks it up, and he he just you know, and uh, Denzel's character just says the N word a lot, and he's calling everybody the N word. You know, Andre Brown's character, you know, every you know other people, other people in his regiment. So he. He uses the word with Morgan Freeman, and and Morgan Freeman's like, "Who are you calling the N word? Like, if anybody hears the N word, it's you." You know, uh, he go, he goes, "You know, we have a chance." Basically, his speech is, "We have a chance to do something here." You know, they're uh, African Americans weren't allowed to fight up until this point in the war, and he's saying, "We have our opportunity." He goes, "I, you know, these guys have been dying for us for three years," and you know, in the beginning of the movie, he was a grave digger. And he's like, I know, because I dug the graves. And, you know, now it's time for us to do what we got to do and, you know, earn our freedom and, and, and show that we deserve to be treated like human beings. And we got to, you know, he, he uses the, the phrase, Andy up and kicking like men. And um, 
that that those words are like, oh wow, you hmm. know. And uh, this this whole and, and he just he just ends like you know. Be careful who you call the N word because I look around, you're the only one I see, and if if you keep acting the way you act, that's all you're ever going to be. Um, and uh, it really just—I was taken aback by that speech. I remember seeing it in, back in 1989. Um, I was in high school. I went with a friend to the movie, and I was like, "Wow!" And that Annie up and kicking like men things really, really stuck with me because I'm like, you know, you have to do what you have to do, and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's not easy, and sometimes it's not the thing you want to do. Um, but if it's the right thing, or if it's what what you need to get something done, then you have to do it. And um, you know, Denzel obviously his character cha- you know changes a little bit. You know, he softens a little bit after that scene. Um, but it's just a just a great moment, just a great speech. And it's, you know, it's giving him Morgan Freeman's voice, the guy you want to narrate your life. Mm-hmm. So it's just a fantastic scene. And I'll tell you something about this movie was, you know, like I said, 1989. I'm like 16 years old. Up to this point, you know, Red Dawn, Rambo, Rocky, the good guys always won, right? Yeah. So this movie ends with them far, uh, uh, charging Fort Wagner in South Carolina or Georgia, I can't remember where. And um, at the end of it, you know, at the end of the battle, I won't go too deep into it, but at the end of the battle, you know, the next morning, the scene, they showed a scene of the fort and then they showed a flag being raised and it's a Confederate flag. And I remember being like, oh my god. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, that's not the point of the movie. But um, I was like, oh my god, they lost. And yeah. I, like, what I would later feel with Stephen Pryor line, like, was it worth it? I was like, I had never, quote unquote, the good guys, at least as far as I remember, I never saw the good guys lose before. And I was like, what the. You know, and, and all the stuff that happens, the the, the people that die, all you're like, oh my god, this is. It kind of made war less of a movie thing to me, and more of a reality, if that mm, makes sense. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I just remember that that Confederate flag being raised. I was like, what the? Heck? They lost. <laughs> Glory is a freaking awesome movie. Glory is incredible. Yeah, I did. I didn't see that one in the theater, but but I did see it on when you know went to a blockbuster, or whatever. And I, I had the same exact feelings at the end of the movie. You're just like, what? <laughs> like, what? What the hell? You know, but it's there are a lot of great scenes. Denzel's awesome in this. You know, and when I was doing some research for the show, uh, Denzel has a lot of good moments. You know, he's a, he's, I love him. He's, oh, he's like one of my favorite actors. Um, like, like, geez, the whole movie, remember the Titans? Like, yeah. everything that out of his mouth was a good speech. You know, um, about training day. Awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely. Kate Kong ain't got s on me. <laughs> yeah, I could. I could have done a whole show on Denzel quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the same thing about Rocky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All my quotes would be from the Rocky movies. Uh, hey man, that was that was that was that was fun, dude. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And speaking about Glory, Alan, our, our show next week is going to be an in-depth look at Glory. It's the 30th anniversary of Glory. came out in 1989. And uh, join us. Uh, I Hopefully everybody joins us next week and as we talk more in-depth about uh, Glory. And we'll go into more details about the movie itself and, uh, and um, uh, the speeches and things like that. How fun. Uh, so, Jonathan, I want to share with you uh, Instagram stuff. I put on there, uh, you know, give me your top speeches of all time. I want to share a couple of them with you. Dr. JPT writes, it, well, it, save a private Ryan, and, and I kind of agree with it. It was a scene where uh, Tom Hanks and Tom Sizemore, they're all out finding Ryan, and 
at the very very end he says i just know that every man i kill the further away from home i feel that that's a, that's a good freaking scene yeah that's a good one. and then we got here uh storyteller luca um which one's this one? Oh, he, he writes the the steve rogers endgame one that we mentioned at the beginning of the show and gladiator of course a lot of good lines in that one and uh oh yeah luminescence 11 the shawshank redemption man this has a lot of great scenes too yeah a lot of good you have any, do you have any favorite, favorite scenes from this one from shawshank uh-huh hello yeah yeah from shawshank yes uh favorite scene um i do have a favorite scene it's not coming to my brain now oh well i like the uh i like i like all the stuff when he gets to the prisoner stuff like when they're tarring the room for when he locks himself in the warden's office and he starts playing the music oh yeah that's, uh, an, that's that kind of stuff fantastic. who did that the movie whole, <laughs> huh who did that movie no we didn't we should though no i mean um, who did the movie who directed oh, who it? did the movie it was uh jan <laughs> de bont right yeah i think it's jan 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 de bont whatever uh i like that scene where annie's on the roof and he's like when they're on the roof yeah yeah and then one of the prison guards gonna like knock him off the the building he's like do you trust your wife he's like what you talking about (laughs) well you got this one time thing you can give a gift to your wife it's a great scene it's uh frank darbont i don't know who yon Bont is but it's frank darbont (laughs) (laughs) darbont stephen king wrote it you know what's funny is i read once a long time ago that because like like most people we you know you probably saw this on dvd or whatever first right Oh, Shawshank? Yeah, you didn't no, see No, I saw it in the movie theater, dude. You did? Wow. Because a lot and, of people did And it. check this out. When I saw it, I was in the Philippines, and it was not called the Shawshank Redemption. It was uh, called The Prisoner. And the reason they changed, because no one in Asia would be like, what? <laughs> Shawshank, what? What's that? Well, dude, it wasn't only Asia. That's what I was going to tell you, is that this movie became a hit on DVD and video because, and, and I remember watching, I'm like, this movie's so good. How did this not make money? And so I researched, well, I researched, I Googled it, and it was like... <laughs> It was like, uh, yeah, people were turned off by the name. They didn't know what it was about, and the Shawshank Redemption. They didn't know what to what to do with that, so they didn't go see it. Isn't that amazing? That this yeah. movie, which is consistently rated one of the top ten movies from everybody, you know, you talked about Private Ryan before. I find me, you know, person that's seen this movie that doesn't rank in the top ten, and I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, but, I, I did find a guy. There are guys that I used to listen to as a podcast for like movie yeah. viewers. And they did Shawshank, and so I got really excited. So you know, I listened to it, and they were ripping. They were ripping really? the movie. I was like, I am never listening to these guys ever again. I was really upset. How can anyone think like that? Eight holes. Okay. I, Dude, I won't get busy on. living or get busy dying. Come on. <laughs> Seriously. Come on. <laughs> Seriously, damn right. <laughs> yeah. I I dropped them like a hot potato. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Ah. Oh, shoot, I forgot I was, <laughs> I was messing with my phone. Yeah, and then uh, the Goonies, of course, you know. Down here, it's out, our time. It's our time down here. That's a great one. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of... Dude, so many freaking good movie quotes, it was hard to pick from. Yeah, well, we should do a separate episode on movie quotes. Yeah, that's a good one. Or do, do yeah, like movies a... that made you cry. How about that one? Uh, no, not for you? Know. Dude, I don't know that movie ever made me cry. Dude, I, I watched the movie Big Fish, right, with you and my brother. Oh, yeah, I know. Holy I crap. I I was with my brother and my dad. At the very end, I was doing one of those. Oh, I got something. My, you know, I was pressing on my eyeball. 
<laughs> because I was like, tear. <laughs> oh my god, that ending. Okay. Dude, you know what? You know what's got me was uh, I was I was like, I didn't cry, but I was like there. I was like almost there. And I, the only reason I didn't because I was on a date. It was Edward Scissorhands. Oh really? <laughs> I was like. <laughs> like I'm gonna take you home now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should have cried, man. Come on, it's okay. No, that was dude. It's okay. It was, I was in high school, man. Are you um, kidding me, dude? You know what gets me all the time on Facebook? I didn't get a second date either way, so you're right. Maybe I should have cried. Should have. <laughs> when, when on Facebook, when you see these videos of like these servicemen coming home and they, and they surprise their family and stuff, and right? Like, oh my God, it's Niagara Falls, dude. That's why I don't. <laughs> Okay, hey, we got two new followers, dude. We got Ms. Bren81, and she is Jonathan, a super follower. She's, super follower. She's super follower, yeah. It's a very small classification. Jay is on it. I thought we have a couple others. Oh, uh, Gina Mobox is on that list. And now Ms. Bren81, she's right? made. Yes, and Jason Ewan is on that list. And Ms. Bren81, she's on that list, too. Super follower. Thank you for following us. And uh, another one we have, Slasher Fan. 822019 he is a uh bullet maker paracord bullet maker oh, nice. yeah so if he's new in the business so uh if you're looking for a good price check this guy out because I, I think he'll make a deal with you uh Sweet. anything else uh yeah you can check uh our instagram out nerding me podcast and uh alan's instagram Dr. Indiana Jones, where he's recreating the Indiana Jones movie, scene by scene, with toys and uh, it branching out, I think, food and stuff, <laughs> apparently. And uh, my Instagram, which is Mom's Basement Collectibles, where I'm posting pictures of uh, all the different Tom's things I've collected basement. since Tom's 1984. <laughs> comic books, statues. I think this week's going to be statues. I was going to ask you if you're going to do something else besides comic books. Yeah, I keep saying, well, I started with toys. I started with autographs and I started with toys, but I've been on a comic book thing for the last few weeks, so I think I'm going to switch up to statues. All right, there you go. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I put up some YouTube stuff recently, Jonathan. I did, uh, what did I do? Black Series Han Solo, Black Series General Veers, Black General Series Veers. Captain Who? Kangaroo? What? What? What'd you say? Captain Kangaroo. Sorry. No, I just said General Veers. <laughs> General Veers. Good yeah, I, I went to a big explanation why I actually picked that actual figure because it's played by the same actor as I, I watched it. Walter Don't tell people they won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got those things up and a bunch of other things. Yeah, I should have a video coming up soon. It was supposed to be delivered, so I'm, I'm researching that now, trying to figure out why some, they're, they're saying something was delivered but it wasn't. Oh no! Or I didn't get it at least. I hope it was a stolen, but. Um, that's I'm excited to do that. It's it, this is a good one. It's not a it's not an unbo- well, it's not like a Funko unboxing. It's a it's a, I was let's just say I want to keep it surprise. I was looking for something, and then I found this, and I didn't know it existed. And if it's as wonderful as I hope it is, I'm gonna be like a giddy child on the video when I open it for realsies. Oh, so dude. I want I want to videotape that. So I was looking for something in particular. While I was searching for that, I stumbled upon this thing that I didn't know existed, and I couldn't click, you know, put in cart fast enough. Oh wow! Well, yeah. I'm really excited now. Yeah. I need to know it's in the box. Oh, I teased you. Okay. So. <laughs> All right, that was cool, man. All right, so what would you say? Next week we're doing glory, right? 
Yes, sir. 30th right. anniversary. Excellent. I gotta get my hands on that movie somehow. All right, dude. Till next time. Martha. Podcasts are for winners. Peace. Peace. Should have been closers, damn it. <laughs> <laughs>